So welcome to this week's episode of Thrive. I'm here with Boywen Gao, co-founder of Project Inkblot, which is a design for diversity consultancy, a team of designers, futurists, partnering with companies to create equitable product services, content, and experiences. Um, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to see you again, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks so much. I'm so psyched. Good to see you too. So you and your business partner, Jahan, come from like this incredibly diverse um, background. Each of you have had like a million jobs. And I think um, there's sort of something in that, in the way that your experiences have kind of brought you to this place where you've created Project Inkblot and you talk about it in terms of filling a gap that you call plurality. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So both of us have had so many different jobs, as you just mentioned. So I come from a nonprofit background, mostly. And when I first got out of college, I worked in youth development. I taught a basketball uh, program in the South Bronx with middle school boys, which is really random. And Jahan worked at a church, of all things. Um, she's half Jewish, and her mom's side is atheist. And she worked at a Episcopalian church, so things like that, really, really random. Um, but when we but first not, <laughs> but not right, and this is what we're seeing now, like twelve years later. And so we met at a music and culture magazine, and both of us wanted to do our own thing. And I think what there is to say is that even though our journey seemed really circuitous, or at the beginning there wasn't a clear, clear purpose. Um, we always just chased a purpose. That was a commonality between the two of us. And so when we worked at this music and culture magazine, we started to do our own thing. The first thing that came to mind was to create an alternative online magazine that really showcased the voices and the talents of people of color and women. And we did that showcasing folks from all over the world, like the first Yemeni woman photographer to food justice activists in Oakland and all over the place. And what really came of that is just this um, desire to look at the creative process and how that could actually really benefit folks who are looking to transition out of purposeless work into purposeful work. And that really illuminated this gap where we just saw that there were a lot of tools like this that were available to folks, but not people who looked like us. Mm. And so when we started doing this work, we moved it into in real life and created a workshop series for folks just like us who were like, how do we um, start a painting practice while also being an accountant at the same time, right? And then that led us to doing consultative work with creative institutions. And then the thing that really gelled us before we started Project Inkblot as the consultancy that it is now is that we started doing consultative work with big agencies and um, corporate uh, organizations that were trying to fill this gap, try to bridge this gap between people who are from what we call misrepresented communities and the agencies themselves, right? So namely women, people of color, how do we reach them? We don't know how to reach them. And for us, it's kind of like, well, you just go and you talk to them. <laughs> <Right? It laughs> wow. Yeah, like, wow, what a novel thought. But I think what really was illuminated there is that we apply a process right? There's a process that can be codified that can actually be taught to people. And in this case, for agencies, they're moving so quickly. Companies are trying to find partnerships that 
help them um, with the bottom line. There are all these things that are agenda points that are not actually beneficial to the communities that they're trying to reach in terms mm. of marginalized communities, right? And so for us, it's like, how do we codify a process that allows this win-win orientation? How do we reframe how we create these partnerships with communities of people who are quote unquote diverse, right? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we do have to talk about, you know, this current landscape that we're in, this whole, you know, coronavirus pandemic. I think beyond the remote workforce aspect of it, though, how do we really rely on our people to co-create solutions together? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This is the best time to think about these things, right? So with Design for Diversity, I just want to backtrack and just say that it's the methodology that we developed that marries design thinking with a lot of really standard practices around community organizing, co-design, participatory design. And there are tools out there to do these things. People have been working in this way. And if we look at our society as a whole, right? If we just look at, we just name what it is, right? We live in this capitalistic society where we're really focused on the bottom line. And a lot of it is individualistic, not, you know, there's no make wrong to it. It just is what it is, right? Mm -hmm. And we see ourselves now in the situation where we're now forced to collaborate in these really remarkable ways, but it's actually innate to us to do that. And so looking at this landscape now, there's a lot of pivoting that has to happen just out of force, right? Out of um, necessity, necessity. right? Out of whatever we need to do in order to survive. But there are a lot of really beautiful opportunities that have already come out of that, that we can just take a moment to see, oh, actually this does work better for everybody. So if we look at something very macro, like the healthcare system, right? And we were chatting a little bit about this before we hit record, which is that if we're focused on this really industrialized system that is like, you get healthcare if you work for a corporation and that's how it works. That actually works for no one at this point because the scarcity of medical equipment and also the limitations and the capacities at the hospitals. But if you take a very micro look at that, right? And then you just look at how we've been so focused on, take the toilet paper thing, people are hoarding toilet paper, right? And so that's a very individualistic thing that people can actually take a moment to see why am I doing this? You know, what, is there a way that I can actually share the resources that I have, especially if you, are somebody with more privilege or you're in a situation where you have an abundance of resources or extra resources where there's a neighbor um, by you who doesn't have those things. It's not just to be a good Samaritan or a good person to provide that, but if this virus spreads or if we're in, you know, if one person's in a dire situation, infectious diseases don't care, right? It's like, they don't care about our human uh, desires. It's just like, it's going to spread and it's going to impact everyone. So now we're seeing more than ever how actually connected we are, like biologically, spiritually, so on and so forth. Yeah, all of it. And I think that kind of leads to this idea that like the old paradigm, we'll call it, um, of how we were working did actually work for some people. I think we have to be realistic about that. The problem that comes up is that it didn't actually work for the majority of people. And we have to be, you know, sort of realistic about that too. I think that that inward reflection, so it it is inward, but it's also external. It's sort of looking at those things, um, as you said, sort of on the micro and the macro at the same time. When we think a little bit 
past that mm. long term how will we design the future how will this look different and like what benefits can we start to imagine if we were to to just design for diversity and really be more empathetic and and do this in a way where we are co-creating and not checking boxes yeah that's a great question and that's really the core of what we do right so just to level set a little bit with language yeah it's when we talk about design in our practice at our agency and when we work with our clients we're not talking about it's designer in your title right we're we're talking about everybody who has the ability to create is a designer and if you look at the flip side of it, we have all these things that are defaults, which we call cultural defaults. They could be um, so many things, right? Like the way that I developed my website, for instance, wasn't necessarily initially thinking about ADA compliance or how do I make this accessible? Or there's so many examples in our world where we're just defaulting to the norm quote unquote right mm -hmm. but that actually impedes our ability to be creative it's actually the opposite of design because if you think about design right there's like intentionality there's creativity there's some sort of ingenuity around it but a default is just we're just saying this is business as usual and we see ourselves in this unprecedented situation right now with coronavirus and the world isn't going to be the same and so right now we have this amazing inflection point um, both as individuals and also as leaders in the world, in our organizations, companies, so on and so forth, to ask that question, how can we design a future that works for all? And a lot of people haven't been asking that question. They've been thinking about how do we keep on keeping on? How do we keep the lights on? How do we do all those types of things? Right. And that's still going to exist with this all of a sudden, like we're in survival mode, but then once the dust settles a little bit and then this becomes really the new normal, Right. We had that moment to meditate on that question. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking about questions, um, what are some of the questions that we should be asking ourselves um, during this opportunity of reflection as creative leaders, however you define that? What are some of those questions that we can start to really anchor into? Well, the first one that we always start with, and this is just pulling it from somebody else, we didn't create this, <laughs> Einstein quote, right? So he said something to the effect of, if I had one hour to come up with a solution for a problem, I would spend the first 55 minutes asking the right question. So that's a little bit meta, right? Because you're asking, yeah. what's the right question to ask <laughs> as the first question, right? But then there are so many other things that just within our own framework of design for diversity, we, we ask and we employ um, other people and leaders, especially to think about this, which is what are my cultural defaults? And if you are a business leader, and I know that there are a lot um, as part of your audience, right? The question is, what are the cultural defaults that exist at my organization? What are the cultural defaults that exist within my team? What are my cultural defaults? And so I can tell you right now, for me, I'm an able-bodied cis-gendered woman, right? So there are a lot of things that I just don't see, and there's, it's not a make-wrong. It's just there are things that I, I don't consider on a day-to-day -day basis. So my defaults could be, um, I think about, everything i think normal is like able-bodied i think normal as like binary genders or so on and so forth and and 
I don't necessarily think about that all the time, but it flows into how I design things. It flows into how I make things. Mm-hmm. And so now is a good time to ask, like, what are those cultural defaults? And then the next question is, what are the impacts of those defaults on the people that I'm creating for? Right. So whether you're developing a campaign or a project or um, a, a piece of tech or um, a campaign, whatever it is that you're creating, there's always an impact that is distinct from the intention because the intention is personal to us. Right. It's actually nobody else's business. It's it's just personal to us. And then the impact is how it's lived out in the world in actual communities. And oftentimes we conflate those things. And now is a good time to actually take them apart and see, okay, this was my intention, but what's the worst case scenario and on whom? Mm. And we don't like to ask that question, right? But had we thought about that in terms of a lot of our social structures right now, long, long ago, maybe we would be better prepared for this, this uh, coronavirus. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm just curious, um, in the work that you do with Project Inkblot, and I, I'm, I know that you've worked with so many incredible organizations, is there sort of one example that you can share where, speaking about impact, the work that you did coming into an organization, an organization that was clearly self-aware enough to hire the two of you, um, mm-hmm. Is there, is there an organization or an impact that you can share that you felt like, wow, this is a really great um, analogy to all of the work that we're doing as an organization ourselves, but then also what that could look like going forward? Yeah, sure. I mean, there's so many, but one that just comes to me right away is an advertising agency that we worked with. And we train their entire team. So again, with Design for Diversity, one thing to just break it down into is that there are five main modules. There are five key components to this framework that we train teams on. And the important thing here is if you don't have a shared language, right, and a shared framework, then as a team, you do not have a shared operating system. So it's really important to create a mindset shift on this new way of thinking before you start to introduce new processes. Because you can have all the tools and processes in the world, and if you don't have the mindset shift, then ain't nothing going to happen, right? So we did that work with them, but in the middle of this training, the strategists came up to us, and they're like, dang, we just had an aha. Like, we are the gatekeepers for our company in a lot of ways. Like we're doing the research, we're, you know, writing the brief, we're doing all of these things that then get passed over to creative and then they build the thing, right? So there's something that can be illuminated in both their own tools in terms of the brief itself, but also how they work together, the brief process, Mm. their creative team and just with their whole team. So we started to deconstruct what their process looked like. And then also the tools that they used to start pulling out these inflection points of like, this is where bias can come into play. And then you have campaigns that are disseminated across the globe in front of millions of eyeballs, right? So it's really important, not just from a harm mitigation standpoint, which a lot of people who are risk averse, they think about diversity in terms of harm mitigation, but it's really about cultural strategy. So it's like, how do we teach a team to use cultural strategy? And just to break that down, cultural strategy is just being able to adapt to whatever the scenario is at the time, right? 
So there's a cultural strategy for anything that meets the moment and meets the needs of people at the moment. So the impact of that is that they actually change their entire brief process. Mm. Right. And then they actually incorporated it into how they're briefing their clients. So they, they work with, you know, huge retailers, some of the biggest across the country in the world. Right. And they also work with, um, you know, just so many different types of clients, but now it's part of how they brief their clients. So now there's uh, an external commitment to doing this work, but also there's a why. So we were talking earlier about root cause analysis, right? Oftentimes in a fast paced agency environment, we're just doing, 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 and then there's sometimes not the opportunity to ask why. And it's not just asking the first why, it's getting beneath the first why and getting to the second why. And then the third why and the fourth why and the fifth why until you get to a root cause of like, why is this important and how is this going to benefit the lives of people, right? And you can do that personally. You can do that um, around a project. You can do that. And I'll give you an example of that. So you can do that in terms of if something isn't working, and I'm going to bring up a, um, an example around diversity. So we're working with a tech company and they're uh, an e-commerce company and they're having a really hard time reaching black and brown sellers on their site, right? So initially their inclination was, well, we just have to create some partnerships with, um, you know, black business organizations, right? But that doesn't ask, that doesn't ask why, that doesn't address the root cause. So if you really get to the root cause of why don't we have black and brown sellers? Oh, it's because um, we don't know how to reach them. All right, why don't you know how to reach them? okay, we don't have anybody who's black or brown on our team that's, you know, doing this work. Well, why is that, right? So you keep on getting to the bottom of it. And the answer is always that dominant culture defines the design, right? Mm. But not to get to that answer. It's the process of getting to that answer, right? It doesn't right. matter what the answer is. It's the process of getting there that you start to illuminate all these reasons that then you can start building a strategy that's going to impact that root cause because right. if you don't do that then you're just going to keep on being at the surface and you know before we hit record we were also talking about root cause in terms of our own selves our own personal development right yeah. and so we can ask the same set of questions to ourselves like why is this occurring whatever the experience is and why 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 going vertically not horizontally so that we really get to the truth yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I love this conversation so much. <laughs> uh, boy, when thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I know this is, um, it's a really timely topic. I think um, it, it gives people a lens to look at the future, which, you know, then sort of gives people more hope about what that future could look like and how we might all, you know, sort of co co-create that together. So thank you again for coming on the show. I really oh. appreciate it. Thank you so much. And yeah, just to leave on, yeah, how will we all design the future? It's such a yeah. great question. And thank you again. Thank you. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.